Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I'm joined by the hilarious Matt. Hello there. Just as we've started recording, David, I've realised my laptop's not plugged in. So you entertain the <laughs> listeners, and I'm just going to have a rummage around in my bag. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh. How, how am I even meant to entertain you, listeners? I don't... I mean, I, I, nothing interesting has happened to me. Oh, tell you what, I will tell you about um, the the crisps that I was eating earlier. There's a few remaining in the bag here. Uh, what we have here are some crisps from Aldi. Oh, David, uh, I've got the wrong right charger out my bag. Around. That's for the laptop that broke. <laughs> you just crack on, Matt. It's all right. The listeners There's are, wires are everywhere. It's a nightmare. <laughs> so these are these are snack right brand which I, i'm pretty sure is just actually an aldi owned brand thing uh they are a maize ball snack so you know if you think of uh your classic sort of cheesy uh balls kind of situation but instead of cheese flavor these are turkey and stuffing flavor and uh, they, I am assured on the packets that they are suitable for vegetarians. So there you go. They are pretty, pretty horrible, but I have pretty much demolished the whole bag. Right. Crisis averted. We're solved. You better not have been talking about food. Sorry, Matt. I was just wrapping up what I was discussing there with the listeners. You're, you're all sorted, are you? Yeah, you better not have been doing meal of the week when I wasn't listening. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Rest assured, it was far from meal of the week. Uh, right, then. How has your week been? Uh, largely uneventful, other than the episode of Doctor Who we watched. Which, we oh, I'll let listeners know, in case you hadn't already guessed, we're talking about the giggle this week. Mm-hmm. Um. Still not wild about that title, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> though though I would say, in the grand scheme of things, not the biggest issue <laughs> with that episode, <laughs> potentially. And anyway, we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it in due course. Um, but yeah, other than that, not, not a lot going on. I'm, I'll be honest, Matt. I'm pretty much sleepwalking through work at this point just desperately clawing my way towards uh, uh, the the sort of the Christmas break. Yeah, you, you, you have no right to claim to being tired, David. I'm recording this at 10 to 11 at night. <laughs> <laughs> Such is your dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... We'll, we'll try and keep this uh, fairly brisk then, shall we, Matt? Um, mm. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, not bad. Went to my first ever rap concert. Uh, it was all in Romanian. I didn't understand it. And uh, I had a pretty good time. Yeah, sounds all right. To be honest, I'd probably prefer to listen to rap in Romanian than English. Yeah, you know that scene on Peep Show where they go to watch that play and they just go, I'm going to imagine I'm watching the film Heat. There was a lot of that going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, glad glad you're enjoying uh, life at least. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, shall we just shall we just dive into into a bit of uh, full on Romania chat? Shall we uh, do Matt's guide to Romania for the week? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Okie doke. I sent you two options, Matt, for what we might discuss this week. I don't know if you if you have a preference for uh, which route we go down. Either or both, whichever. Okay, right. Um, in that case, Matt, I'm going to ask you what what has made you laugh the most since landing in Romania. Oh, what has made me laugh the most? Um. I recently went to go the, to the cinema to watch the film Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know if you're familiar with that film, David. Um, I, I knew there was a film of it, and I'm familiar with the concept of the game, yeah. though it's not something I have any interest in personally playing. No, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen, but I laughed all the way through it. <laughs> uh, I went with a couple of guys from work. One agreed with me that it was terrible, but one genuinely convinced it was one of the best films he'd ever seen. Uh, wow. What else? No accounting for taste. I'm trying to think what made me laugh today. Uh, today at work, in Romanian, the word for so is uh, Deutsch. Uh, and uh-huh. when a student was talking to me, they just went, yeah, yeah, anyway, see you later. Deutsch. And I thought they'd called me a bitch. Uh, so I comforted them <laughs> about that. I'm trying to think what else has really wow. made me laugh. Um, every day just makes me laugh and smile in beautiful, beautiful Romania. Isn't that lovely, listeners? Oh, there was the time um, we had an Uber driver that made me hold his phone so he could watch the football when he was driving us home. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Uh, there was also an Uber driver that every time we swapped, sorry, every time we stopped at some traffic lights, he was just swiping on Tinder trying to get a date that night. Um, Great. It's largely the Uber drivers that make me laugh here. Yeah. <laughs> they seem like quite a distractible bunch. Yeah. In fact, I'll re- I'll, I, I'll tell you what did make me laugh once was we went to the cinemarket, the, not the cinemarket, the supermarket, and they were selling uh-huh. big buckets of food, just called crap. <laughs> Did you ever establish what crap is? Yeah, um, it, if I can find the picture, I'll text you it, because let me tell you, David, this food looked like crap. Uh <laughs> I might have to do some editing here if I can't find this photo straight away. Uh, no worries. Let me go back in time. Back in time. Oh, I found it straight away, amazingly. Oh, no. Nearly sent you my boarding pass for when I flew home for Christmas then. There you go. Just some tubs of crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listeners. Um... A couple of things to note here. Firstly, uh, Matt's not exaggerating when he says it looks like crap. 
nor is uh, and I also feel like I need to make it clear it's not like it's some funny Romanian spelling there's not like a you know a special character over the A or it's not crap with a K or anything like that it's literally a bucket of crap (laughs) (laughs) that's delightful Um, did you buy some? Uh, no, because it took me a while to deduce what it was. N- yeah. Now, initially, at first, I thought it was crab, and it was like potted crab yes. meat. But it's actually, yeah. if you swap the R and the A around, it's carp. Um, and it, oh, what, right. what it is, is fish eggs. It's basically like poor man's caviar that you put in soups and stuff. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, bucket of crap. Yeah, fine Amazing. line between that and an actual bucket of crap. <laughs> Fantastic. Right, um, so as I say, we're going to try and keep this brisk tonight, listeners, so so we can uh, give the gig all the time it deserves and uh, not keep Matt up to stupid o'clock. So I think we're going to dive straight in to Dockbusters now, if you're happy to do so, Matt. Let's go for it. Welcome the host of Dockbusters, David. Fantastic. <coughs> right then, Matt. We have a new board. Mm. I'm going to be honest. It's very similar to the old board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I have uh, I have replaced the uh, the ones that you got correct last time. So where would you like to start? Do you know what? I've always gone for the bottom path. I'm going to start at the top, David. Could I take TN, please? You can. Nice, easy one for you, Matt, to get things underway. Creator of the Daleks. For a second, I was going to go, it's Davros. No, it's Terry Nation. Correct. Yeah, you're out the gate. Where are you going to go next? Well, in fact, I mean, you could go, you could go down if you want, but it's not really much of an advantage. No, I'm going to. Assuming you're going to take. I'm going to go T R B, please. Okay. So, uh, for T R B, first episode to feature Donna Noble. Oh, it's the Runaway Bride. It certainly is. Do I go up or down? Um, yeah. yeah, let's keep the top line. I'm going to take BLS, please. Mm. You're, I think you're going to get this one as well, Matt. Popular character portrayed by Nicholas Courtney. Oh, it's Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. It certainly is. I didn't know that until you asked the question. Um, let's go WY. Okay. Epithet commonly given 
to the period in which Doctor Who was not in active production for the BBC? <laughs> I'm going to give you the correct answer, then I'll tell you what I thought in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's the wilderness years, not the wonder it years. Is. <laughs> wonder years. The wonder years is that no, TV um, show, isn't it? Definitely it definitely is. Right, I've got one more to go. Years. Let's go. Yeah. You, you, you're steaming across this board. C-O-O. C-O-O. <clears throat> uh, that would be a barmaid and governess from 19th century London. Can you Can you repeat the question? A barmaid and governess from 19th century London. And, and to be clear, they are featured in an episode of Doctor Who. I'm not just expecting you to have some kind of insane level of historical knowledge. A barmaid and a governess. And governess. Um, I'm going to give you the only answer I can think of that makes sense. Is it Clara Osgood Oswald? Oh, ho, ho, ho. you're very close, Matt. But you know what? You've had such a hot streak. I'm not going to give it to you. It's Clara Oswin Oswald. Oh, not Osgood. Oh. So I'm afraid that one's off the board now. Right. So in order to complete the path, then I'll take TM. T.M. Now, you've got to have this one in the bag now. Villain first played by Roger Delgado. It's the master. I almost said before it you read the question, the I was like, it better be the master. Um, but I didn't want to blow <laughs> that path. Oh, so what I'm doing, Matt, what I've decided to do with this is... As you clear away the easier questions on this board, I'm going to be replacing them with increasingly difficult <laughs> yeah. ones. Yeah, I think I'm three for three so far on the gold run, aren't I? You are, you are, but um, they are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ramp things up. Sooner or later, I'm gonna start like just basing them off uh, uh, like random <laughs> articles from Tardis Wiki. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be like some obscure. Uh, companion from uh, mid nineties uh, comic run that I've never even read. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, good job. Uh, it but uh, it is fascinating to me that you you, you could pull mm. names like Terry Nation out of the hat at this point. Yeah, because let's be honest, you you don't need to know that. No, that's like keeping Why other information out my brain. I could have learnt the violin if we didn't do this podcast. <laughs> right. Okay, right. then. Before we move on, David, Fun one final thing we way. need to say. Yes. Okay, dope. This is probably our last release before Christmas, so have a good Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had at one point vaguely talked about doing a... Uh, a, a Christmas episode, but to be honest, that was at a point when we weren't planning on doing these three that we've done. Plus, so next I'm... week, David, I'm flying home on the twenty second, and I'm flying back to Romania on yeah. the twenty seventh. I haven't got time. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's it would be it would be an unrealistic expectation to put on you at this point, mm. Matt. So, um, yeah, you won't hear from us again until the new year. But uh, yeah, do have a lovely Christmas, everyone. And you? in keeping with Christmas tradition, David, uh, uh, I've got something special for the Wheelie Big Quiz this year. Oh yes, yeah. It, it it's just one question. Just one. Yeah. Okay. Just. Instead of donating to us, should people just give some money to a charity? Maybe some people less fortunate than them? Yeah. Ah, it's the correct answer, David. Well done. (laughs) You've hot-shotted your quiz this week. Yeah, we're not doing a really big quiz this year, so just just look after someone. Look after people. Yeah. Yeah, If if you don't have money to give, give time. If you don't have time, then get a hopefully someone. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, do, do what you can within reason. Um, okay, then let's. I, 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 let's not beat around the bush because I'll be honest, Matt. I've. I need to talk to someone about the giggle. Yeah, I'm just getting my notes. I really do. Yeah. So, David. Yes. Please tell me whether you think this is a good episode, a bad episode, good episode with bad bits, bad episode with good bits. I don't know. (laughs) I, okay. First two thirds of it, unambiguously good episode. I was having a great time. The last 20 minutes. Seriously challenged my ability to have a good time with the preceding 40. (laughs) Oh, see, Um, I've got it the other way around. Um, I actually really actually wrote down the exact moment I clocked out of this episode. And it is 18 minutes, 45 seconds. Ah, interesting. Oh. So, um, we'll, we'll have to sort of we'll get to it when we get to it as to to which moment that is. But yeah, I don't know. It's um, I think we'll. I don't know whether look at the end of the day. I don't know whether I I'd come down on the side of good episode, some bad bits, or vice versa. Um, needless to say, I think it's a mixed bag. I can we agree I on that think at least. The bit that I don't like isn't the bit everybody else doesn't like. I expect so. Mm. Um I wouldn't even go as so far as to say as I don't it's more just that I <sighs> there were choices that were made that were so left field and Yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping through the course of talking about it, I will process it and come to some kind of resolution. But I'm not there quite yet, I think. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so, should we dive into it, Matt? Right. This is The Giggle, the third of the 60th anniversary specials from the 9th of December 2023. Written by RTD... Directed by Chanya Button. 
Yes. Yes, indeed. And it opens in Soho in 1925, where a man visits a toy shop with a German owner. And this is where we begin the part of the episode I don't like, because, David, I think I hate Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't quite get the hype around Neil Patrick Harris. Um, You know, he's got this reputation as some incredible song and dance man, showman type. But David, Uh, Britain's got its own British song and dance man. It's Bradley Walsh, and he's already been in Doctor Who. He has. He has indeed. Um, God, you know what? In a, in a in a parallel universe, Bradley Walsh would have made a good fist to the Toy Maker. Actually, do you not think? Yeah, he was pretty good in uh, Sarah Jane Adventures as a villain, wasn't he? Exactly, as a, as a similar kind of sort of impish metaphysical adversary. So yeah, I you know I I could see it. There's there's been all this talk of like oh you know this the, it could only have been Neil Patrick Harris do, you know if they hadn't got him how would they have pulled this off like they'd have found someone else you know? they could have found <laughs> anyone know, else it's not it's a big it's a it's a big broad kind of role that needs a big broad kind of performance but I don't think Neil Patrick Harris is the only human being on this planet capable of delivering such a performance. That being said, I think he's fine in this episode. I don't have a problem with what he does in this. Fine. I think it's pretty good. Find I'm quite, so quite happy for him to make a comeback. But, yeah, but you're meant to find this character annoying, right? I don't know. I've, they... I've not seen the old one. I honestly couldn't care less about this yeah. character, David, if I'm honest. Definitely. Uh, that's. I think that is going to be one of our big points of difference uh, in in this episode, then, because the toy maker is the aspect of this story that I love the most. Mm. Um, I, 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 I thought it was so nice and refreshing to have a. I mean, I'm always a fan of like the the big metaphysical type villains <coughs> you know i was a big fan of um i forget their names now but the two uh immortals from can you hear me i loved um swarm and azure in flux um yeah i i, I love those kinds of characters um where you they get lots of meaty dialogue and it's not just it's not just shambling monsters, but in especially you who is guilty of generally if they want that kind of villain they just go back to the master every time, mm. and that gets a little tedious. And I thought the toy maker was a refreshing way of doing something in a similar realm to something like the master, but fundamentally quite different because you know the master manipulates people they can't you know reshape reality around them mm-hmm. uh, so you know it was 
I think a bit of a genius move to bring bring the toy maker back and bring them back into prominence. And I would love to see that character return again. Doesn't have to be played by Neil Patrick Harris. One of the beauties of a character like the toy maker is they could have any face, just like the Doctor can, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Um, so yeah, build them up and keep them going as as a good sort of alternative to the master. Mm. But uh, but yeah, you disagree. That's fine. I do disagree. Right. Let's start again. So Soho 1925. Man visits a shop with yep. a German owner to buy a doll. The doll in question is Stooky Bill. And it is for yeah. John Logie Baird. For use in the invention of television. Uh, they use the now, doll's did, head did you... for transmission. And it sets a light. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you know this? Like this genuine historical... Um, as, so- as soon as yeah. he said, oh, it's for John Logie Baird, I was like, oh, it's that doll. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I knew John Logie Baird invented television, but I didn't know that the first like test broadcast that he did was of a... was of a... a, a um, what's the opposite of decapitated, where you've got the head but no body? What What's the word for that? I think it's still anyway, decapitated, yeah, I, I, isn't it? Uh, maybe. You talk about decapitated bodies, you can't talk about a de- decapitated head, because the head isn't decapitated. It is the cap. Mm. <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, uh, po- point being, I wasn't aware that the, the first thing he tested it with was just a ventriloquist dummy's head separated mm-hmm. from the body. Which is a horrifying... Yeah. Like, why? Why that? Of all things. Well, it's because they Uh, said nobody could stay under the lights for that long. Yeah, I I guess it's it's the next best thing because they wanted to test maybe a human face. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I can sort of see that. But I totally understand why when when Russell T. Davis stumbled across that story, was like, oh, that's a Doctor Who opening. (laughs) Yeah. Like... Absolutely. And apparently... Sorry, go on. No, no, no. Sorry. After you. Um, So I was just going to say, I was in the behind the scenes stuff. He said, basically, he started with that. He had that that story and that image. And then he sort of worked backwards from that. Like, okay, we're thinking about puppets. Who would be a good puppet master? Oh, the toy maker. And that's how the toy maker introduced himself into this into the writing process so it wasn't like he started out thinking i want to bring back the toy maker mm-hmm. um th- the toy maker just sort of always presented himself uh which i think is was was a fascinating little detail in uh how the sort of genesis of this episode yeah right so the doctor walks through loads of chaos and asks a man what's going on and the problem is Everyone on Earth thinks they're right, so they can just do what they want. Uh, the Doctor bumps into uh-huh. the toy maker, who asks the Doctor yeah. to dance. But at this moment, Unit arrive. Uh, this is the point where Donna's saying, oh, just take Wilf and look after him. And if you look closely, it's just a man in a Santa beard. 
Um, it's, you know, they, they had to do something, didn't they? Yeah. It was e- e- either that or, or cut Cribbins out of the last episode, and that would have been a real shame. So I think they made the right call in writing around him in this mm. uh, episode. So, uh, um, a helicopter... Can, I, can, we, can we pause... Sorry, I was just saying, can we pause on the whole everybody thinks they're right concept? Mm-hmm. It's a typical bit of RTD sledgehammer satire, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, it, 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 honestly, it's like, it's not my favourite quality in RTD's writing. I'll put it that way. It feels like Poundland Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, especially when he goes, oh, look, even the politicians think they're right all the time. Ooh, how is that any different? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's all just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't quite sit right with me. Um, because it, it strips away the nuance of I'm not I I'm I'm not sat here to saying like right that um it's great that everybody is arguing on the internet all of the time <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not it's clearly a problem um I would like I would like if everybody simmered down a little bit and we had a little bit less of that um but the sort of underlying implication of it is that we all actually have this bubbling under the surface and all it takes is the means to kind of winkle it out of us and away we go mm-hmm. and I think that that is a deeply cynical and frankly ludicrous premise and I think what the actual reality is that social media amplifies a proportionally tiny number of very loud idiots. And uh, I think if you spend too much time on social media, you start to think that they, they somehow represent the world around you mm-hmm. when they really don't. No. Um, and I think I feel like that's a mistake RTD has made here. So mm-hmm. it feels like... Um, not just unsubtle satire, but fundamentally misguided. Like, it's the wrong target. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that could just be me over-extrapolating. I'm not sure. So, a helicopter arrives to lift the TARDIS, which takes it to HQ, which is basically the building that yep. the Avengers used to live in. Uh it, they... it, could I, I I honestly everybody makes that comparison and they're not wrong to do so. I it really beggars belief if they've got all this money, why nobody thought should we make an effort to make it look a little different to Avengers Tower? Nah. <laughs> now we, it's like, Disney. It? They've just got just the, a little bit. They've just got the file saved on the Disney computers. <laughs> it honestly seems like it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, so they meet Shirley, and they meet good old Kate Stewart. 
It's good to see her back, wasn't yeah. it? I genuinely think it was. I don't know whether you're being sarcastic. No, right no, no. Like, uh, the way that she comes back, I thought was quite good as well. Because she yeah. marches up to the doctor yeah. and you have no idea whether it's going to be a punch or a hug. And Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it does turn out to be a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, uh, yeah. It, uh, it, it, so I, I always like seeing uh, Kate Stewart back. I think I'm really happy that they eventually did settle on having a few consistent faces for Unit um, in the Moffat era because it felt like in... In the RTD years, the original run, any time unit would pop up, it would be a different faceless mm. uh, military personnel. And you'd see them in that one story, and then you'd never see them again. And it, yes, it gave the impression that unit was a big organization, but it also meant that... It, it didn't make it an endearing part of... Yeah, there was no attachment. The, so the world of Doctor Who. We yeah. just didn't care. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, like, it, I think it's nice to care about Unit. It, it's, I, I think it's a really lovely element of Doctor Who. It's one of the things that keeps Doctor Who a little more grounded. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, 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 like, I like having that consistent presence. And I quite like their Swish new headquarters. Ooh. Did you like the inclusion of Melanie? Yes. Now, I don't think you've met Mel, have no. you? No. No, yet to see I a story done with any her. Mel stories. Yeah, I, I, I regret. I, I, I think I considered us doing Paradise Towers not that long ago. And uh, I wish I'd stuck with that because... It's a personal favourite, and uh, I would have liked you to have had that for me. If I'd known they were bringing Mel back, I would have made sure. Because that's what I used to do back in the day when we were going through the run and I and I had plenty of advance warning. Um, I'd make sure that I was peppering in classic stories that teed you up for stuff that was going to be referenced yeah. in upcoming New Who. I can't do that now because I'm, 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 I'm flying blind. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Mel, I think because she, she started out in the Sixth Doctor era and like the Sixth Doctor himself was kind of done dirty by the circumstances to an extent. Mm -hmm. She never got really a proper introduction for weird reasons that we may, we may cover in detail one day. Um. And as was typical of the time, you like we were told that she was a great computer scientist, and then they proceeded to never put her in front of a computer at any point in any story. Okay, <laughs> which is just it is one of those baffling things that classic Who would do. You would never do that now. You would never introduce the character and say this person's like a hacking genius, and then. And then, you know, they they never have any opportunity to demonstrate that skill set. <laughs> so it, it in character terms, it actually makes a lot of sense and it and it and it's almost 
a bit of a redemption for Mel and for Bonnie Langford as well. A b- very belated apology of like, yeah, you, you were given this on paper really interesting character and then you were asked to just run about and scream for two years. So let's maybe redress that a little bit. And um, Bonnie Langford was clearly very game for that, which was nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it seems pretty clear to me looking at the swanky set, the, uh, additional personnel that they've introduced, uh, having a classic companion on the team and also having a random robot in the corner. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I, I smell a spinoff. What what I I, I... why didn't so, they, go on. why didn't they just have Mister Smith from the Sarah Jane Adventures? <laughs> well, we don't know Mister Smith's fate, do we? Well, no, we that, that is true. That is true. He might have got turned into a Cyberman so. and blasted off into space like the Brigadier. He might have. We don't know. Right. Two days ago, David, there's been worldwide violence. Everyone thinks they're right, but the unit have invented the Z-Dex, thanks to the Vlinks. That's the robot. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't... Maybe the Vlinks is like an alien, but if they'd built that robot, why did they build it so ugly? <laughs> I very much got the impression that it was alien tech. Yeah, it's now stuck on Earth. I just thought if someone a hand. if someone's so, built it and put like a humanoid top half, who thought, oh, let's just give it like weird octopus legs, like the bad guy out in the Little Mermaid. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think it's. I mean, it is very much akin to to Mister Smith, isn't it? Mm. But, um. Yeah, I, I I don't mind it as a means of introducing a new team. I'm I am one hundred percent on board for a unit spin off that's sort of in the vein of something like Agents of Shield. Which is what I think we're gearing up for. Mm. I I I think it's overdue and I'm interested to see uh if they take a crack at it. On the proviso that RTD has a creator credit but is not showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> Let someone else have a go. Mm. So Kate Stewart uh, removes yeah. her Z-Dex to show the Doctor what is called the spike, which is where you become yeah. immediately hostile. Uh, the spike yeah. is generated inside the brain. It's not somebody beaming it in. But mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to impact people who've travelled on the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, the transmission within the brain... Sure, it, it impacts her, though, doesn't it? Oh, does it ever? Does it ever? Yeah. Is is the fact that one of the characters is in a wheelchair like an, an easy cheat? So, like, when she's been bad... It, she's just like, well, I've seen you walk, blah, 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 blah. But then later in the episode, like when Donna says, oh, I'll just park you at the seaside, and then says, oh, am I allowed to park? Why are they so obsessed with the fact one of the characters is in a wheelchair? 
you know what? No, I don't. I don't mind it because I think we don't. They 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 are expressing thoughts that people have that wheelchair users don't often get to address directly on primetime TV. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think if you were a wheelchair user yourself, I think whilst... It, it, similar to, like, you know, the whole scene where where Rose is dead-named in uh, The Star Beast, mm-hmm. I, I, think it's, I think it's useful to have these awkward moments, these ugly moments, where you can you can deal head on with the kind of ignorance that people that those people do have to face and then you know hopefully just shed a bit of light on it obviously what we don't want is for the fact that Shirley's a wheelchair user to become her one soul defining mm. characteristic yeah at the moment she's she's got is is a scientist and is in a wheelchair and that seems to be about it so i'm hoping that that something like a unit spin off which i've you may notice that i i'm very much just assuming is happening at this point yeah. i'd be very disappointed if it turns out that this is just a load of nothing but um that 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 would give us an opportunity to actually flesh shirley out as a character a lot more yeah um but you know it's early days isn't it yeah We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so, this transmission is seven notes um, that play in a specific pattern. Um, yeah. And we get a little chat about how the world is all online now. Everything's online. Yeah. Uh, Donna's the one who noticed these seven notes are playing in an arpeggio. Okay, which is yep. a familiar sound buried in people's heads forever. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, they recognize it as the laugh of Stooky Bill, which is hiding in mm-hmm. every screen ever. And it's something it's which uses mankind's it? worst attributes against themselves. <laughs> Yeah, um, okay. This almost works as a concept for me, but I struggle with the the notion that it was embedded for decades and then it only triggers at the point that, like, the last person in the world gets internet access. Mm. I I guess. (coughs) I don't know. I feel like if it had been more a case of the seed had been planted and the planter was waiting for their perfect moment to activate it, and that was a conscious choice on their part, I would have bought it 100%. But the the fact that the explanation we're given is just that, like, oh, everything is connected now because of a new satellite. Yes. That, that... That, to me, smacked of your very typical, just RTD, this'll do, level explanation. So It was one of my biggest bugbears with him as a writer. He's so 
uninterested with logic. So, like, so long as things make emotional sense, he just doesn't give a crap about whether or not it it follows any kind of internal logic. Yeah, you just wave your hand and get on with it. The satellite which is providing the whole world with internet uh, could be taken offline, but would trigger an international incident. So the doctor gives permission for that to happen. Uh, Yeah. And whilst the doctor's talking to Mel for a bit, Kate offers Donna a job. Uh, So it's Mm -hmm. good to know that Donna's, you know, going to have some progression when the story ends. Then the Doctor and Donna go back to 1925, and this is the point the episode stops being good. Strong disagree, but okay. Right. Uh, Donna talks to the Doctor about how he's just staggering, says perhaps the old face came back as he's worn out. So they decide... They don't need to see where Stooky Bill was transmitted from, but where he originated. So they go to the toy shop. Uh, The Mm -hmm. toy maker juggles and throws some balls at the Doctor. And the Doctor recognises him. We get a nice little bit with Hartnell and the old footage from the old story. Uh, Yeah. But then the Doctor tells Donna to run away. But actually, the toy maker plays hide and seek, so they have to go run after him. Yeah, I, I love Tennant's performance in that scene where he's telling Donna to just go back to the TARDIS. Mm. He really lends an immediate sense of gravity, uh, you know, that just sense of like, oh, we're not messing around here. I know who this is now. Mm. Um, which I think is is brilliant and and obviously so helpful. Excuse me, uh, not my microphone there. Um, so helpful for newer viewers who aren't familiar with and you know and I'll, I'll be honest, I am I'm only familiar with the toy maker through reputation. I've not listened to the audio of those episodes, so I know I'm aware of the concept of the you know who was involved in that story. I I don't. I don't know it beat by beat. <coughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really helpful for for viewer v- viewers to for the doctor to just be like, uh, yeah, no, this is actually we've got we've got some previous and this is serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, so when they chase after the toy maker. They enter like a crazy corridor. It's the toy maker's yeah. domain, governed by only the rules of play. Uh, the doctor says that the toy maker's been brought into reality and out of his domain, as the doctor tempted him by playing a game with the salt at the edge of the universe. So again, that's a very that's a very dumb weak explanation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. But it's fine. I'll let it. I, slide. I, I just headcanoned that as that's just not the case, but it's the only logical thing the doctor can think of. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. But yeah. So, so you're 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 already you've checked out of this episode. Then you're just not on board with all of these shenanigans. Mm, no, not really. There's still a couple of good bits to, in the episode, yeah. but 
I was just like, yeah. I, I can't, I... I can't deal with Neil Patrick Harris. So it's it's not it's not the concept of the character or anything. No, but then like things like that where it's just <coughs> like, oh, we poured some salt on the floor and now he's back. I'm like, that doesn't do it for me. Mm. I, you see, I mean, I like, I I like excuses to get weird, mm-hmm. um, and which the toy maker obviously is. I like it when, um, Doctor Who stretches its wings a little and gets into the realms of the fantastical um and you know so i i i genuinely really loved all of all of this this whole extended sequence where you know the all the various sort of scenes and encounters that we have where the toy maker is very much in control um because it's the sort of thing we just don't get to do every week on Doctor Who, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it felt refreshing and, you know, inventive and fun. So it's, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it, 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 it's a shame for me that you didn't enjoy this part because for me it was probably the highlight of the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, from that... Um... The Doctor says, oh, I've beat him before. I'm probably going to lose if I challenge him again. Donna says that games have no memory and he might not actually lose. Uh, Whilst (coughs) they're running through this corridor, they get separated. The Doctor finds Logie Baird's assistant, who is hung up and actually a marionette controlled by the Toy Master. uh, Come on, that that was a great horrifying visual. Mm. That's some just textbook tea time horror. Yeah. Especially the little bit where Donna meets Stooky Sue and the little Stooky Babbies. Oh. And it's oh, all a bit that weird. Was grim. <laughs> genuinely grim. Yeah. Until Donna caves her head in and then yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Which is, again, wonderful. And like, I. I no, I don't think and you could have put any companion in that scene, but I don't think anyone would have more perfectly sold the, that sense of just not not having this shit yeah. as as Donna and Catherine Tate. She plays it brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, so they get reunited eventually, and I did quite like this yeah. bit where the Toy Master shows Donna the Doctor's life since. Um, you know, so we yes. see all the other this, companions. This, if we were, if we were to choose one scene as the absolute standout, it would be this for me. Mm. I, 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 the, the, the bit with the puppet theater is, yeah, absolutely my favorite scene of the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like that. Um, yeah. it, it, especially, and you know what? I know you're not a fan. Especially because of Neil Patrick Harris's delivery of "Well, that's all right then." Yeah, am I right in thinking? It, I think I read this online. The fact that his accent changes all the time is because that's how the yeah. Doctor beat him in their last confrontation. Uh, possibly, I've not I've not heard the story, but it, it it's a distinct possibility. Right. It was certainly a very conscious decision. Yeah. Um. 
Neil Patrick Harris said it was like it was written like it was written phonetically. So you know where he says like everything instead of everything and stuff. It was it was written that way. Mm-hmm. So he he was just doing exactly what the script asked of him. So the Doctor challenges the Toy Maker. Uh, mm-hmm. The Toy Maker talks about playing games and says when the Master was dying. He trapped him in his gold tooth. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to come into play later. Uh, he also nah. says the only person he wouldn't play was the one who waits. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Like, we had reference to the boss in episode one. Now we got this, and it's like <clears throat> I don't. It's at this point, it was exciting when we had it with Bad Wolf and stuff back in series one. We are so far past that now. What have we had? Like 16 (laughs) series of Bad Wolf. Yeah. Oh, Timeless Child. Oh, the Pandoric is going to open. Oh, Doctor Who. Oh, who is River Song? Come on. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, you'll explain it when you're ready. That's fine. But right now, it doesn't. It doesn't give me that sort of frisson of excitement at the moment. I'm not. I'm not wanting to go into fevered speculation because it could be anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. So, who cares? Yeah, you'll tell us when you're ready. I guess. So, they're simply gonna pick the highest card. Split the deck. Donna says the toy maker's going to cheat. The doctor says he won't. He's governed by the laws of the game. The doctor draws yeah. an eight. The toy maker a king. So the toy maker wins. Except now it's only one all. And he's governed by the rule of best of three. So they must play yes. again. And when they say best of three, he says, well, why not 2023? So he goes to the future. His shop shrinks down into a toy box. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Back at unit, the galvanic beam destroys the satellite and they begin scanning for the toy maker energy. Uh, We get your favourite part of the episode when he dances for a Spice Girls song for like five, six minutes. Not going to lie. Second favourite scene of the episode. Really? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because you love the Spice Girls. (laughs) Very much not because of that. But this is another iteration of a thing we've seen before on Doctor Who. Uh, We saw it with the Master in Series 3. You know, uh, we um, we had another version of it with the Master with the uh, Rasputin song in Power of the Doctor. This, to me, I think is the best... And hopefully, final iteration of one of these kinds of scenes, because I think it was actually nicely choreographed. I it had a lot of interesting visual details in it, and what they did better than on the previous attempts was really make the most of juxtaposing the upbeat pop song with the sheer horror of what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people being transformed and trapped forever in balls, you know, bullets instantly turning into confetti. Um, 
and so for all of the absurdity of it, it is also underscoring the fact that the toy maker is like an unstoppable god. Mm. Like there is literally nothing that units can do to stop this entity from following whatever whims occur to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- th- the doctor, like you've got all this ridiculousness going on, but then the the doctor is just like stony faced through the whole thing. And again, Tennant is selling the gravity of the situation through that. And it's, yeah, it's that kind of that tension between those two tones happening simultaneously that I think makes it work incredibly well as a scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just thought it was too big, too silly for me. Maybe I'm just it's used a, to like the dour art, Chris Gibnall like, like era when nothing. Yeah, fun ever I mean, we're back. We're back to RTD. You know, it, like it or lump it, and RTD goes big on finales. To be honest, I would say this is one of his more restrained efforts. Mm. If you compare it to the likes of the End of Time. Or uh, the you know, last of the time, Lord Sound of Drums. I I I'd say it's yeah, it's comparatively restrained. So I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Right. So he enters and he starts taunting Unit as he takes the galvanic beam. So the Doctor begins to call him out and ultimately invites the toy maker to play across the stars to travel with the doctor um but instead the toy maker just shoots him he says i played game one with one doctor game two with another i'll play game three with the next doctor um so we get in that moment I, i i before we rush ahead i want to tell you exactly how i felt in that exact moment which was elated I was like, this is exciting. I didn't expect this to happen this early. Are we going to get, like, a a early regeneration of this story and actually shooting out where gets his chance to shine, you know, and, 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 and kind of swoop in and save the day in this story? Um, I was so excited for that. I'd say you were kind of half right. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not quite what I was hoping for. Well, we get a little regeneration speech, and then the Doctor says, "Can Donna and Mel begin to pull? Because this ain't no regeneration at all, David. Uh, it's a bi generation. Yeah. Apparently, that's good, isn't it?" Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I liked it. Okay, Matt, come on. I'm going to go on record Did and, and just to be contrary and say this is the greatest moment yeah. in all of Doctor Who. No, no, no. Don't be facetious, Matt. Honestly, t- tell me tell me what you were thinking, what you were feeling in this moment. Um, At, at this point, I was like, this is okay. It's all going to wrap up, and by the end of the episode, we'll be back to the status quo. Yeah. And we weren't. Spoilers. 
Yeah, not exactly. So not at exactly. this point, I um, was just like, yeah, whatever, I can go with this. Yeah, I was I was just, I was happy to see Shooter get work. I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. I guess it means we're getting a kind of mini multi-doctor story. That's nice. We were hoping for a bit of multi-doctor action for the 60th, and we've not had it thus far. Mm-hmm. So I'll take it. Yeah, I was kind of thinking similarly in that respect. <coughs> and uh, yeah, then we get the, the bit, the final climactic battle of wits. Mm. So yeah, the Doctor splits in two. So we still have Tenon, yeah. but now we've got Shooter yeah. Gatwa's incarnation. Is that the 15th Doctor we've got now? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and cards on the table. I thought he was great in the last little bit of this episode. Yeah, I, I broadly, I agree. I think... I think it was quite an unfair thing that RTD did to him by forcing him to share the screen with David Tennant mm. for his in, entire regeneration. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of being denied that moment in the spotlight that new doctors generally get. Yeah. What if, when we have the Christmas special, he just flies to Donna's house and just shotguns David Tennant? (laughs) You know, they just open the front door and he's like, Alonzi, this motherfucker, boom, just blows his head (laughs) off. I'd be there for it, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Um... Yeah, so, but like, it's, but I, I don't want to be too down or too churlish about it. You're, you're right. He is great. He is, he is a sparkling, refreshing presence right from the get go here, mm. and it does make me so excited for what's to come. Um, the two doctors now challenged the toy maker to a game. They talked about this earlier in the episode, the first ever game, playing with a ball. So they play catch. They throw yeah. it around for maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> Quite a long while. Yeah. I could have done with maybe one or two throws. I didn't need the one or two hundred throws. Um, but yeah. yeah, the toy maker drops it and Tennant says, well, my prize is to banish you from existence. And before he can I can I say go on? Uh, I just want to check you out. So like, in my head, I was thinking, you know, that there'd be some incredible battle of wits between the Doctor and the Toy Maker, and in the end, in this, they play, cut the deck, highest card wins, mm-hmm. and and a little bit of catch. Yeah, it, and. I I wonder whether RTD was very intentionally being like, oh, we'll save the world with a game of catch, and it's you know it's it, it it's the sort of simplicity is the kind of the joyousness of it, um, but it was a little disappointing for me that it was just three men toss a ball around for a bit, and then mm-hmm. the, the 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 great moment of triumph is just the toy maker 
doesn't quite manage to catch a ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would like I would like it if he'd been outsmarted on some level, rather than just been been slightly unlucky with a catch. Yeah. Yeah. Before he disappears, though, he says, yeah. "My legions are coming." Oh, who fucking cares? Yeah. So we don't know who they are or what that is, so it doesn't matter. So Shooty hugs Tenant and says, "You know." No, hang on, sorry. I will say though, I did like I did like the special effect of him sort of folding up. Like, yeah, uh, like a it was a little bit Roger Rabbit, thing. wasn't it? Like, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Right, but anyway, yeah. So we get a little bit of resolution between Shooty Gatwar and David Tennant. You know, they hug it out. Mm. Um, and somebody picks up the Toymaker's gold too. Ooh. Do you think there's going to be a potion that brings back Mr. Saxon? Oh, I sincerely hope not. Do you, do you want my big prediction? Like... <laughs> Go on. You know, what What did I predict once that was right and I was really happy with myself? I can't remember. Oh, God, I can't remember now. Um, My big prediction, the person that picked that up was the Rani. Oh, you know what? I'd I'd be down for it. We've done the toy maker. Let's have the Rani back. And, you know, about time. You who yeah. we've had a lot of the master, haven't we? Let's just put him on pause really for a series have. or two. Yes, absolutely, in a hundred percent agreement. Like I don't want to be clear. I don't want Shooty to go his whole run without ever uh, having a a showdown with the master. I think it's a great disappointment of the Matt Smith era that he never had mm-hmm. uh, any stories with the Master. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I could certainly quite happily go a couple of years yet without seeing him yeah. or her. So or them. Tennant <laughs> then gives a tour of the TARDIS to Shooty, and yeah, Shooty says, "Well." Ever since the very beginning, the Doctor has never stopped. You know, he needs to calm yeah. down. The only reason Shooty Gatwire is so calm is because Tenant's Doctor must calm himself. And, you know, it's all out of sync. Yeah. But it's going to work. They mentioned the fact that so, Sarah Jane has passed away. Yeah. So I think the implication here is that... Tenant will eventually regenerate into um into Shooty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that just but Shooty sort of jumped the gun somehow and come out early, but like still that loop will be closed eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's my interpretation of it anyway. It's it's really not clear. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think in the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So they say that the doctor needs to stop for a bit. And Donna says the reason your yes. old face found her is so that it could come home. And when he yeah. says he won't give up the TARDIS, that just bi-generates as well. You see, I... 
as much as I was on the fence with the Bay Generation, what I think really annoyed me was them duplicating the TARDIS. Mm. Because I think it fundamentally undermines the premise of the the 14th Doctor slowing down and just retiring for a bit and, and recovering. Mm. Because... You know, they've got their own TARDIS there, so they can just nip off and have adventures wherever they want. I, I, I'd i be okay with the idea of the 14th Doctor stopping and sticking around for a while and potentially, down the line, yeah, do a series of Earthbound adventures with that Doctor. Mm-hmm. But it almost makes it interesting to have the Doctor without a TARDIS. You know, still with the Sconic Screwdriver, but stuck having to live and solve problems in a linear fashion on contemporary earth Mm -hmm. you know you could have him almost in a more pertwee like role working alongside unit in this potential unit spin-off and do you know what i mean like yeah it's right there but then if you give him a tardis anyway then what's changed Mm -hmm. he's just gonna zip off at the moment's notice and if he doesn't do it on screen you can make damn well sure that big finish are going to do it sooner or later yeah i did see a good thing on twitter where it was saying for the 70th anniversary they're going to do the five doctors but it's just five incarnations of david tennant's doctor <laughs> yeah um, i i saw yeah i i saw on reddit today a a, a fact that absolutely blew my mind Matt which is that Peter Capaldi is the only New Who Doctor not to have regenerated into or out of David Tennant. Wow. That's pretty that's pretty damning, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've had quite a lot of doctors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the only one. Like, obviously, some of them didn't do both, but but mm. <laughs> at one at, at one end or the other. Yeah. Of almost every regeneration we've seen on screen, he's there or thereabouts. <laughs> right. And look, I don't bear David Tennant any <laughs> ill will, right? And and I'm I am on board with potentially seeing a bit more of the Fourteenth Doctor at some point. You know, it's perfectly reasonable to want to keep an ageing David Tennant in your back pocket to wheel out for for future things. If he's up for it, fine. But so much of this episode essentially seems to have been dedicated to RTD just sort of making a backup clone of David Tennant Mm -hmm. for future use. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me not to feel a little bit cynical about that. Hmm. So the reason we've got two Tardises is the Toy Masters realm was still there for a little bit, so they're able yeah. to claim it as a prize. Uh, they hug, say goodbye, and do a little salute. Um, yeah. Tennant now lives with Donna and her family. Mel comes for dinner. Uh, he refers to Rose as his niece and says, I've never been so happy in my whole life. 
Then the closing shot is lie. we get a little bit of shooty piloting the TARDIS and it says Destination yeah. Christmas. Great. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for the Christmas special. I think I'm, I'm more excited, excited for that than I was for these three specials. Oh, yeah. Same for me, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, look, I've, I've, I don't want to harp on about it. I think I've said it enough times now on this podcast, uh, or it's been clear across these these last three episodes we've done. I'm not wild about some of RTD's instincts as a showrunner. I'm not wild about that production team. I'm not quite as vehemently against them as Christopher Eccleston is. I don't know if, did you see that clip? I did. <laughs> I did. I was going to mention it because oh. Christopher Eccleston's just put a picture on Instagram of a lovely uh, pie that he's baked. And that just reminded me of that <laughs> conversation we had. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, Eccleston is, is, is great and he's... I I've got a lot of time and a lot of respect for him, and I and I love his honesty and his um, commitment to to class warfare. Let's be <laughs> honest. Um, but uh, he also has a chip on his shoulder the size of Plymouth. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you if you don't know what we're referring to, listeners, have a poke around on the internet. You'll find it. But. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm not as uh, vehemently opposed to this production team as Eccleston is. However, I'm not one of these people who've been dancing with joy at the notion of getting the old band back together. I would sooner have had somebody new. Uh, so the thing that I'm most looking forward to is at some point next year, we're going to have a brand new Doctor played by a very exciting young actor being written for by people other than Russell T. Davis. And I cannot wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's an yeah. exciting also, new, new stage, isn't it? Yeah. And Christmas special. I watched the trailer. It looks fun. Have you seen the trailer for it, Matt? I have, yeah. Yeah. Goblins. Yeah. Christmas yeah. goblins. I'm up for a goblin... Yeah, love a, love a goblin. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Uh, and we will discuss it, no doubt, in the new year. Mm. Um, but until then, dear listeners, as we said earlier, we hope you have a wonderful restive, festive season, however you choose to celebrate it. And until then, as always, until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.